What is going on, people? My name is Michael John Lennon, and you are listening to the Fitness Business Life Podcast, episode one, and you are very welcome. So, first things first, let's get to the meat and potatoes of what this podcast is all about. Obviously, the name is the Fitness Business Life Podcast, and so there is a few clues within the name. We will be talking fitness, we will be talking business, and we will be talking life in general. So anyway, I this is kind of the second iteration of the Fitness Business Life Podcast. I did launch this a couple of years ago, and if I'm being totally honest with you, kind of didn't give it my all. And I was quite disappointed with my efforts when it came to launching the podcast because I truly believe that we do have a lot of value to bring to our audience. And so I, was, um, I wasn't happy with my efforts. I was a little inconsistent with it, truth be told. Uh, I had some quality guests and I don't think that I made the most out of our guests. And so... I wanted to relaunch this with a fresh start and a fresh perspective on the podcast because like I say, you know, there was no cadence to it um, and I could have done it much better. So this is my, uh, first things first, this is my apologies um, because like I say, I could have done it better and I could have brought you more value, but this is my attempt now at um, putting right what I should have done the first time around. So anyway, um, here's what you can expect. I will be bringing on some awesome guests in the near future. Um, and we will be discussing a range of topics within fitness, uh, within business, and like I say, within life in general. And in this episode, what I will be covering, as you'll see from the title, is 12 Rules for Fitness, Business and Life, of course, uh, influenced by uh, Jordan Peterson's book, 12 Rules for Life. You can also expect to uh, hear some um, random guests on here as well. So I plan on bringing my wife on, I plan on, I, I plan on bringing my kids on at some stage as well, which I think will be quite fun. Uh, and we'll get some perspectives on what life is like for uh, a nine-year-old and a 10-year-old these days. So I'm actually quite looking forward to that one. But uh, to open up the podcast, what I'm doing is sharing 12 rules for fitness, business, and life. And these, I mean, I've been kind of thinking about these for like the last few weeks. Not the last few weeks. I mean, some of them are genuine principles that I... That I do follow some of them I kind of picked up as uh, as I was doing some research for the uh, first episode of the podcast because you know in all, in all honesty I was kind of a little bit stuck on what way I wanted to open this thing up and then it kind of just struck me as in like well you know there's no one true theme for the podcast. So I was like, well, let's open it up with um, a range of different topics involving fitness business, fitness business and life. 
and let's just see where that takes us and then i'm sure we will go down a few rabbit holes within those topics uh in the coming episodes so anyway let's get down to it 12 rules for fitness business and life and we're going to start off with fitness because i'm assuming that a large part of my audience are uh within the fitness industry or at least interested in the fitness industry maybe you're already a personal trainer maybe you are a gym owner maybe you are just working your way into the fitness industry or maybe you're just closely associated with a lot of people within the industry that's highly likely um where the vast majority of my audience are and so what we're going to do is start with some content that's tailored towards uh you if you are that type of individual so um let's start with fitness so i've got four rules within fitness and these are generally four rules that i will follow um myself and i just thought i would start by sharing these with you so rule number one movement quality first and what do I mean by this? I always tell people that you cannot bypass movement quality, okay? Because usually what happens whenever someone decides to, let's say, start out on their fitness journey, well, the first thing they're thinking is either I need to lose weight or I need to build muscle, right? And quite often, you know, I suppose for the vast majority of the population today, it's the the previous I mentioned, which is weight loss. And so people will, you know, they might start running or they might start going to, you know, some classes. They might get themselves, uh, you know, a heart rate monitor and, you know, they might start to track their calories and lose some weight and all this sort of stuff, right? And which is fine, which is fine. You know, I'm, I'm not knocking that uh, journey. But what I will say is that, uh, you know, quite often what we find, or at least what I find as a, as a strength coach, is quite often those types of people kind of, they almost hit like a brick wall at some stage. And, you know, be it injury or just general um, war and terror through their efforts. And the reason for that is simply because they didn't have good movement quality. So they didn't have good control over their joint actions is basically what I'm saying. And then what we find is, you know, if someone doesn't have a lot of workspace within their joints and then they go and they add strength to that so let's say they try to add strength to dysfunction strength will often overload that or you know maybe these people uh they might go and do some uh, olympic lifting or they'll do some plyometrics or they'll do some sprint work in which case they're working at speed and again quite often if your movement is compromised so if there is uh you know a lack of control within your joints and you try to move at speed first and foremost well then speed will snap that um the most common option that people usually go for is they'll start off with some type of endurance work i.e they may get themselves a bike or they may go to you know your your spin class or they may start running 
because they think that they have to burn as much calories as what they can possibly burn in order to lose weight. And so what I always say to people is if you can imagine, you know, let's say you don't have much in terms of prerequisite hip mobility, and then you go and you start doing 10,000 reps, right? As in like, let's say you go for a run and your hip moves into flexion 10,000 times. Well, essentially, if you think about how, you know, how the hip functions, um, it, you know, you might have to borrow that from somewhere else. So quite often people, uh, through a lack of uh, movement at the hip, you know, let's say when they're running, they may experience knee pain or lower back pain or something or other. And that's basically because one joint isn't doing its job and therefore it starts to piss off the neighbors. And so what we find is that endurance will quite often wear down a lack of movement quality over time. And so for me, the answer always comes back to movement quality first, movement quality over everything. And then once you have gotten a good grasp of that, then you start to add strength, which again, for me, I would suggest to people to prioritize over weight loss. The most up-to-date recent studies suggest that building muscle is much more important than losing body fat, okay? And I don't want to get into that in this episode, and I'm sure we'll bring on some guests in the future who will um, go into a lot more detail on that front. Uh, But as I say, you know, the most up-to-date research suggests that. So, um, you know, movement quality first, then we add in strength, then we look at speed, and then we start to look at endurance after that. And that's kind of how I personally look at uh, look at movement, um, and let's say look at fitness. The, the other aspect of it is, and I actually got this from a guy called Dr. Andre Ospina, um, which was the evolutionary perspective of health, okay? And what that means basically is, you know, the question is uh, what, we're, what were we naturally selected to do, which was hunt and gather, right? And then it's like, okay, well, what are you doing today? Um, you're sitting somewhere or walking somewhere and you're listening to this podcast and, you know, the likelihood is that you're not doing what you were naturally selected to do. So then the question is, what do you do on a daily basis to make up for the fact that you're not doing what you were naturally selected to do? And for most people, that's either sport or that is uh, exercise three days a week, right? So we'll address the sport in one in just a second. But if we think about the, you know, the exercise three hours a week, three days a week, what are people doing with the rest of their time? Okay. They're, you know, they're, um, if you think about the average person and how they live their life, you know, they, they sleep in their nice, comfortable bed, albeit in a really poor postural position. Um, they probably suffer from some sort of sleep apnea as well. So their, their sleep quality is pretty poor. Then they get up, uh, in the morning, they might walk in, you know, they'll get themselves ready in the bathroom and then they'll go down and they'll sit at the table and they'll have their breakfast. Once they have their breakfast, they might sit for another couple of hours on a commute to work. 
Then when they get into work, they'll sit at their desk during the nine to five and then they leave the nine to five and then they sit on the commute back home. And then once they get back home, they'll sit at the dinner table. And then once they've had their dinner, they'll sit at the sofa and they will watch Netflix and they will repeat that cycle over and over and over again. Okay. So, you know, if they're lucky, they might then say, all right, well, you know, let's start going to the gym and what do people usually do? They'll go three days a week and they'll go for an hour at a time. And that's, I mean, that duration is actually made up by us. Okay. Cause if you think about it from an evolutionary perspective, like there was no set duration for exercise. Okay. Your exercises depended on uh, whether or not you wanted to eat that day or whether or not you wanted to just survive. So, you know, it, it probably involved some type of long distance walking and jogging. It probably involved some type of um, run uh, pretty fast because either you had to catch prey or you had to um, evade being prey. It probably involved climbing, swimming, throwing, carrying. I mean, pretty much it all, right? It was all in there. And so, you know, we can't really say that from an evolutionary perspective. And when I say that, I mean, for the first 200 to 300,000 years of our existence, this is how people lived. It's only in the last um, couple of hundred years that we've actually started to uh, move into a different way of living our life based on the industrial revolution. Before that, there was agriculture for around about 10,000 years, but that's another uh, topic for another day. Um, and so, yeah, basically what I'm saying is uh, we are not living our lives today how humanity has always done that, okay? We have made up uh, rules around exercise, right? And we've also made up sport and, you know, okay, if I had to uh, decide on, uh, you know, between the two as in like uh, necessary, I would always opt for sport. And and even at that, you know, if you think about this here, like um, high level athletes are probably the most broken people in the world when it comes to their movement quality. And the reason for that is because they train along the same lines of tissue all the time. Okay, perfect example is Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods is absolutely broken from his sport. His lower back, his knees, his hips, so much so that his life fell into turmoil over his uh, uh, drug abuse, you know, in terms of um, trying to manage his pain. And so, you know, th these are all uh, sort of mismatch um, complications, shall we say, you know, it's like, uh, if you don't do normal human stuff, you get abnormal repercussions. And quite frankly, standing swinging a golf club for hours upon hours upon hours a day is not normal human behavior. Normal human behavior was getting up first thing in the morning, moving, walking, hunting, and gathering, right? And so what happens today is that based on how we live our life, we get abnormal repercussions. So anyway, uh, went off on a bit of a tangent there, but basically what I'm saying is we have to prioritize movement quality first. And what that means is that we, um, 
we move our body in all of the ways available to us and we have control throughout all of the ways available to us. That's basically what I'm saying in a nutshell, okay? So let's move on to uh, rule number two, which is pretty pretty simple, pretty straightforward, and it's eat like an adult. And what I said previously is, um, you know, what were you naturally selected to do? Because the fact is, you know, if we define what health is, it's the closer you get to what you were naturally selected to do is the closer you get to health. And the further you stray from that is the further you stray from health. And that also, um, that also comes into play when we're talking about nutrition as well. So the further you stray from what you were naturally selected to eat, the further you will stray from health. Now, a big problem with today's society is that people get upset over what another person eats, right? It's like, oh my God, like we have um, very little problems in the world if you're worried about what other people are eating. At the end of the day, it's like, um, you know, people, there's some people who do nothing but eat meat, which is uh, unsustainable, if you ask me. Um, there's also some people who uh, refuse point blank to eat meat. Um, I mean, there's just all of these crazy, insane ideas whenever it comes to nutrition. And it becomes then such a complicated subject because you know what works for one person and then they hold this true belief that this is the only way and then the next person holds a different belief and they say this is the only way and it's like different horses for different courses like sure you know you might get away with just eating meat for five years but sooner or later something's going to give right be it your willpower or just something is going to break down Okay, like the likelihood of you doing that for the rest of your existence. Yeah, I mean, oh, God, I actually seen this one guy on uh, social media and he was uh, I think it was the lion diet. I want to say it was. I mean, again, I'm no nutrition expert and um, you'll see this from my rule, too, uh, which he was just like eating steak five and six times a day and just with a lump of butter and salt or something along those lines and it's like bro there is just no way you're going to sustain that the rest of your life you know if you can't do it forever don't do it for a day um and so rule number two is eat like an adult if you think i mean if you think about so dogs have no impulse control right and uh it's like whenever you see people and they um, you know, they struggle to contain themselves around food. It's like, uh, are you on par with dogs? Like, is that the level of your consciousness? Like, you're a fully grown adult. And again, I always look at it, look at it from, uh, from a macro level, as in like, if we were hunter-gatherers, like that food is not readily available to you. So, you know, put the fucking bag of crisps down, Right? Do you really need to eat those at this point in time? Sure, I'm not saying you don't have, you, like, everyone um, deserves a treat now and again. And uh, again, what I will say on that is just make sure you've earned it. But there's some people that are just so compulsive when it comes to their nutrition 
Um, and it's almost like, listen, you know, like I say, dogs have no impulse control. Children have no impulse control, right? And both of those shit on the carpet, like you're an adult, are you, <laughs> are you going to operate in the exact same way? It's like, come on, get control of it here. Um, one of my friends, uh, and you know, people talk about, uh, emotional eating. And one of my friends and an old mentor of mine used to say to me, uh, cause he had, a, he also had a friend who was, uh, let's say an emotional eater, whatever that means. And he used to say to him, uh, don't stuff your face, face your stuff. Right. And sometimes that's what it comes down to. It's like deal with the thing head on and stop turning to, uh, you know, comfort because, yeah, I mean, as great as modern day living is, I think sometimes there's a dichotomy to the level of comfort that we live in, having food readily available and having all of this stuff available to us, like our ability to delay gratification is practically zero these days. And so, you know, for me, it's like, I just think if I'm eating like an adult, well, then 90, 95% of the time, I'm going to eat foods that have single ingredients, which means they're either plants or their meat, or there's some sort of fats, right? Outside of that, maybe I'll have a Snickers here and there or whatever, but I'm not a slave to those things. And even at that as well, I actually like to go through periods of just not eating at all, right? And it's like control your hunger. Um, one, of the, one of the things that uh, I read a book, uh, The Comfort Crisis, and one of the things they talk about within The Comfort Crisis was... Uh, People these days, they're rarely bored, they're rarely cold, and they're rarely hungry, okay? Because our phones are right in front of us all the time, which keeps us occupied, which keeps our mind occupied all the time. We get that dopamine hit all day, every day. Um, we have so much in terms of heat, shelter, and clothing, so we never get cold. And then we never get hungry because we have food readily available to us. So just spend more time being bored, spend more time being hungry and spend a little bit more time being cold and get comfortable being uncomfortable in those scenarios. And it will for sure add some sort of value to your life. You won't be a slave to your emotions. You won't be, um, you know, like I say, you won't be that uh, person with, you know, a lack of sort of impulse control where you have to, uh, you know, jump to your phone when you get bored, when you have to jump the food, if you get that little bit hungry, when you have to jump out of the the cold because you can't handle it in that moment. So yes, uh, not only eat like an adult, but behave like an adult as well. Kids and dogs have no impulse control. That is not you. So that's rule two. Rule three is be adaptable in fitness. Um, I believe that human beings, we are not meant to stress the same lines of tissue all the time. And going back to rule one, movement quality first. Well, you know, we have to be adaptable, adaptable in all situations because this is what fitness is for me. Um, I find a lot of the time people, and it's almost like nutrition in a way where people get so hung up on this one method that worked for them and what we then find is that they come across a new method and this method's now better and it's like that is not a, an adaptable human being that's a human being that is very narrow-minded whereas we want to stay open to all all aspects of 
training and nutrition because you never know what can what how the environment changes in the future and if you're not prepared physically and mentally for a change in stressors well then you're not an adaptable human being therefore you lack fitness all right so um when i say adaptable what i mean is that you can lift heavy shit you can move well you can move fast you can run for miles you have a good engine you can uh fight if necessary like you've got all of the attributes not you you don't uh train along one line it's not like just squat bench and deadlift is the only thing that you will ever do um because again for me that's a very limited human being uh you know it's not like all you've got in your uh in your within your training capacity is i'm a bodybuilder and i'm just jacked i mean again that's a very limited human being if you think about that type of person how would they fur as a as a hunter gatherer right they just wouldn't like they would get absolutely eaten alive literally and it's because you know they don't move so well you can't like they can't run they don't have a good engine they don't have endurance so i think again this is just my own personal perspective you need to have a good grasp of it all and while you may focus your energy and attention on one or two particular areas if you build up the skill sets necessary within each through periods of your life well then you can always return to them in some capacity but if you've never been for a jog in your life and then for whatever reason you're called upon to jog somewhere in some way shape or form again that's a limited human human being if you have never um you know been in the weight room or you've never shifted any kind of tonnage in your life and then you're called upon to be strong in a certain moment again that's not an adaptable human being and that's what fitness is okay that's what fitness is to me so be adaptable rule number 4 then in fitness is test yourself okay um uh i started out life as an amateur boxer and uh played a bit of soccer and stuff when i was a kid but uh i wasn't that good and i was always just more fond of like combat sports i didn't like the i didn't like relying on other people uh to win um i wanted to uh, i wanted to be in control of my own outcomes and so for me i always turned to combat sports and i always tested myself in combat sports and even though i didn't always come out victorious um for me the the most important thing was to test myself and see how much i could progress year in year out you know session to session whatever it is um so i started out uh, as an amateur boxer and i, I had a run about um i want to say around about 80 or so amateur contests and i stopped boxing them whenever i was about 24 24 yeah just before i got married and then i started competing in kettlebell sport which uh ask anyone who competes in that sport it is pretty brutal on the body and 
uh, it's pretty demanding in terms of uh, cardiac output. And I would actually suggest that it's more demanding than boxing and jiu-jitsu, which is what I now compete in now uh, today. And I competed internationally in kettlebell sport. I was testing myself there. I swore I was never going to compete again, but then I fell in love with jiu-jitsu. And so I'm testing myself again, testing myself with white belt, testing myself with blue belt. And it's like, all right, you may not come out victorious and whatever it is that you want to do, but at least get on the platform, at least get on the mats, at least get in the ring. And so you'll know, and even if you don't come out victorious, you'll still have that experience behind you. And you'll be able to recall on that experience in future. And it will give you contrast as to whether or not you're improving or what you need to improve on, right? But at the end of the day, if you're not in, you can't win. So whatever it is that you're doing when it comes to your training, maybe you are, maybe you've taken up running, in which case then, let's, you know, get on that next half marathon. Maybe you've taken up triathlon, in which case then get yourself involved in a sprint triathlon. Um, maybe you've just generally taken up strength training, in which case then get on the platform, start competing in powerlifting. And it doesn't matter who else is there. What matters is that you are testing yourself and that you are able to measure your progress. So that's my four rules whenever it comes to fitness. Movement quality first, eat like an adult, be adaptable and test yourself. Whenever it comes to business then, um, here's the four, four rules that I uh, come up with during the week. Rule number one, put people first. I think that there are too many entrepreneurs out there who would be willing to uh, let their team down if it meant their own success. They would be willing to let other entrepreneurs go bankrupt if it meant their own success. Like they would be just willing to chop down every other business out there if it meant them getting ahead, right? And that is a zero sum game. Like no one wins in that scenario because eventually that entrepreneur, they will hit a brick wall because they will have burnt all of their bridges and then, you know, they have no one to come back to. And most of all, they lose credibility and they lose trust with the people around them. And I've seen this happen so many times, right? And it's just people not putting other people first, right? So for me, a rule that I will hold is I put people first, product second, profits third, right? People, product profits in that order, right? Because if you don't have people, then you don't have a business. And that's why it is important that we always put people first. And even like, even for yourself, even just for your own self-esteem, your own integrity, like, you know, it's uh, for me, I don't know, I, I just can't do it. Like I've seen so many people do it in the past in scenarios where they have sunk someone else uh to get ahead and it always comes back to bite them like it, it always and, and people have done it on me as well by the way and it's like you know they will they will never 
they will never experience life to its full capacity. You know, those people, they will struggle and, you know, who knows, they might well repent in, in future or whatever, but, you know, it's like you're not going to live the type of life that you want to be living. So uh, for me, I always put people first and that goes for our team, that goes for our students, that goes for our members in the gym, like right across e the ECA franchise, I always put the people first. And while it, um, it takes longer uh, to progress in business, whenever you take that approach, for me, it's just more congruent. And that is always the way I've done business. And that, that is always the way I will continue to do business. And like I say, even though it takes longer, for me, I'm just much more comfortable with that process. And I have uh, zero, um, I've just got nothing on my conscience whenever it comes to that. So uh, it's just, uh, it's a good place to be operating from. And uh, that's a rule for me, you know, whether or not other people choose to adapt that is completely up to them. Never sell anything you don't fully believe in, right? So uh, this is rule number two in business. Um, it's right to be told, I mean, it's impossible. You know, you might well, if, if you think about the scenario where someone uh, sells another person, let's say a car that has uh, some underlying issues, uh, you know, maybe there's a, there's something's going to go, what is it, the fan belt, <laughs> the flux capacitor uh, is going to go in 30 or so miles and then they sell that car on and the car breaks down uh, 30 miles after the buyer takes it and the seller knew. Um, that person, although they might make the short-term sale, they will lose over the long term because now the person who bought it, you know, it's a small world today. They're going to go on to social media. They're going to tell everyone about it. Uh, they're going to have to deal with all of the hassle of the person coming back to them. They won't get the referral. So they won't get another sale from that person. And again, I'm just using the car as an example, but this happens in pretty much every business. Like it's, if you sell something to someone that you don't truly believe in, and they don't get the value from it that um, that they want from the product or service. Uh, and while you may have made the sale up front, there is a negative impact from that happening. Okay, so there's a ripple effect. There's consequences that come from that. I actually remember whenever I first uh, started hitting the, the weights gym years ago, uh, I went to the gym and it was just all juice heads. Like it was all these big meat heads and... And of course, at the time, uh, I, I wanted to get bigger. You know, I was kind of using kettlebells a little bit. And I was like, right, okay, now I want to put on some size. So I went and started training in this gym. And I was asking some of the guys for some advice. Uh, I definitely wouldn't ask for their advice now today. But I was young, I was naive. And so I, I started asking them for some advice. And some of these guys were like, oh, you know, you need to be taking protein, you need to take this and you need to take that. And yeah, I'm pretty sure one of them definitely would have sold me some, uh, some, some asai, uh, <laughs> some pharmaceuticals, shall we say. And uh, I wasn't naive enough to take them up on that. But anyway, they were saying to me, um, uh, you need to be taking this supplement and this supplement. And I was like, okay, so uh, I found out that the guy who owned the gym, he 
he had a supplement stack, <laughs> shall we call it, out the back. And he brought me out the back and he's like, oh, here's the one you're looking for. And it was a tub. And he says, uh, yeah, take two to three scoops of this a day and blah, blah, blah. So, so I was like, okay, well, I took it home. Had no idea what was going on here, but it turned out that it was pre-workout. And uh, I had taken a few scoops before bed. And I honestly, I don't think I slept for like 48 hours. Uh, some pretty heavy stuff and you know he probably uh, laughed himself to sleep that night while I was um, rolling around the bed itching my face and uh, while he made the short-term sale I cancelled my gym membership I never bought supplements off off him again and I didn't go back right so it's like you know, in that moment, had he said to me, look, kid, here's what you need to know. This is what this is. This is what this is. I assume that he just didn't have any protein at the time and he was just looking for the, the quick sale. And so he started selling me some uh, pre-workout and he just wanted the, you know, the 40 quid or whatever it was at the time. But it backfired on him because then um, he lost uh what would have been a lifetime customer because I would have kept training at the gym. I probably would have bought some, you know, coaching or someone at the facility or whatever. And you see, this is what I mean. You know, it's like always do the right thing by the customer. Never sell anything that you don't believe in. Um, even if it means you taking a short term hit, um, so be it, right? Because there's, uh, so there's a thing called auto suggestion, right? Um, and I actually got this from Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, is like, no matter what, people will always know anyway. And if they don't know up front, well, then they'll find out eventually. Okay. So, um, you know, it's like, imagine you someone rings you up on a cold call and they're trying to sell you shit. Like, rarely do you ever take that call because you know it's based on commission and you know that they don't have your best interest at heart. So that's auto-suggestion. Like, you already know what's going on like intent has a scent and so if your intent is not uh, to do the right thing by the customer well then for me that rule is never sell anything you don't believe in rule number three in business is deal with problems right away do not procrastinate on the things that are at the forefront of your mind and listen total transparency here we've all been guilty of this We've all suffered from manana syndrome where we're like, oh, I'll put it off. I'll do it tomorrow, right? It's like, no, do it right now. It's called a production pivot. So what you do is you use the trigger. So the very second that you hear yourself or you recognize yourself thinking, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. It's like, no, you do it right now. So what I do on this front is, you know, let's say I've been putting off a meeting or I've been putting off making an important phone call or ringing or whatever it is, I schedule it in with the person. And therefore, once I have done that, well, then I will go to great lengths not to let this person down in that moment. Like I will use that sort of public accountability of me messaging them. So it's like, you know, maybe we've got, like, we've got so much going on in business uh, on any given day, but maybe I'm like, I have to have an important conversation with my accountant. Then again, I'm just using an example here. 
And I'm like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll message him tomorrow and we'll, and we'll get that sorted. As soon as I recognize myself saying that, I just pick up my phone, I open up my WhatsApp or Messenger or whatever it is, and I send my accountant the message and say, hey, what's going on? Are you free tomorrow so we can have a chat? So therefore, I have laid out, I've set the expectations of, hey, we're going to have a chat. He will know what's going on and I will not let him down then. Um, and so that's my that's my accountability to make sure that that call happens. So anytime I find myself procrastinating on doing something, I just schedule the meeting and I know that I won't then bail on the meeting and therefore we move things ahead. Like I say, it's called a production pivot. So as soon as you recognize yourself uh, putting things off until tomorrow, you use that very second as the trigger to take the action necessary and therefore you don't give yourself an opportunity to procrastinate. So deal with those things right away. Rule number four, bigger is better in business, right? So it's the exact same level of stress. It's the exact same level of anxiety. It is like from a biological standpoint, like all the emotions and frustrations and stress and anxiety and Oh, the just the general emotional roller coaster that is business. It's all exactly the same running a big business as what it is running a small business. There is no difference. The only difference being is that there's probably more people and there's probably more zeros on the page. But if you think about that, I mean, as long as you prioritize the people, as I said earlier on, well, then the zeros on the page will likely take care of themselves. Okay. So, um, Bigger is always better because it's the same level of stress, except the level of stress running a big business is probably more rewarding in terms of the financials that you get from it as what it is running a small business. So, you know, my ma, she, she didn't always come off with um, many words of wisdom. But what she did always say to me was, if you're going to do something, do it right. Okay. And I try to... Uh, stick by that um, little bonus rule as well as in uh, you know let's just do it right because I, I don't know about you but I do get a little bit frustrated whenever I feel like I'm underperforming in a certain area and because I just want to get it right uh, and so for me uh, if you're going to do business well then you may as well reach for the stars instead of um, you know, just accepting some level of maintenance. For me, maintenance is a myth. You're either growing or you're dying. And I always want to be growing. And what that means is that the business is always going to be growing. And yes, um, as you as your business evolves and as things uh, start to scale, it does become more demanding. Um, but you evolve in terms of your skills, traits and beliefs. And therefore, uh, you evolve as a person, you develop as a person, <clears throat> and you learn to manage the bigger business through time. Okay, so, you know, entrepreneurship is a crash course in personal development. And like I say, uh, forever growing. I, I want to, you know, I always say to uh, our students that uh, hell on earth is meeting the man you could have become. And for me personally, like if I was to look back and not achieve all of the things that I want to achieve in business and at least not attempt it okay so you know it might not all work out like COVID there could be another COVID down the line like whatever 
whatever is going to happen, at least I can look back on the journey and think, oh yeah, I gave that my best shot. If you're going to do it, do it right. Okay, so um, we've covered eight rules up until now, four in fitness, four in business. We're going to cover four in life. So the first rule that I have in life is be nice. Um, I probably uh, inherited this one from my father because he was just a genuinely nice man. Like, uh, actually, my grandmother, she just passed away recently. Um, and she, he, he, I know for a fact he inherited his niceness, shall we say, from my grandmother. And she was just the nicest, uh, kindest, gentlest uh, person that you could ever come across. And I think it's a really good trait in a world, you know, which I had mentioned earlier on, where people are forever trying to get one up on each other. And um, in a world that is not committed to win-win, you do come across just some generally horrible people, right? And that's the reality of the world that we live in. There are just bad people out there and they're in all walks of life. But I've always found that, you know, I can, can, I can only control my actions and there will be people who will uh, not be so nice to you. <clears throat> and that's okay. At the end of the day, uh, that is, um, that's for them to deal with. That's theirs to hold. That's not mine to hold. So I always just try to be nice at all times. You know, one example, you get people who just turn into complete pricks. Uh, on the road, for example, and I will never ever <clears throat> lose my cool. Um, uh, you know, even if someone is beeping their horn or they're losing their shit on the road, I always just be nice. I wave at them, I let them out, I apologize. Uh, so yeah, I mean, for me, I think that it, um, as small as it is, it just seems to make life a whole lot easier. Uh, and let's face it, life is difficult. And when uh, and when I think you have, let's say, uh, an attitude towards other people, life automatically just becomes so much harder. So rule number one in life is be nice. <clears throat> rule number two, which kind of seems counterintuitive to rule number one, is uh, learn to be violent, but learn to also control it. Um uh, I, this is one that I share with my sons, uh, quite often because again, violence is not the answer, but when there's no other choice, it is the only answer. And the unfortunate fact about life is that sometimes violence is required. And so it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. Okay, so have the ability to defend yourself, have the ability to hurt someone if necessary, but at the same time, avoid it at all costs. Okay, so be nice, but if it's necessary, and the unfortunate part of life is that it just sometimes is, well then at least you have the tools to look after yourself and you know who knows maybe maybe other people um like i say you know 
I had uh, I was I was an amateur boxer. I boxed internationally, um, so I was always able to uh, use my hands, albeit uh, sometimes not for good. Especially in my younger years, when I didn't know how to control my anger, I didn't know how to control my aggression and my frustration, and so it resulted in me. Uh, you know, getting into several, uh, many, many, several uh, idiotic confrontations on the street, which um, uh, I'm not proud of by any stretch of the imagination. But at the same time, I would not take those uh, situations back because, um, you know, it was a lose-lose scenario, but I learned a lot from uh, being um, in those situations and uh, you know if anything it just taught me how to uh, manage life as an adult and it taught me to try to stay away from confrontation as much as possible but at the same time uh, I learned a lot in terms of uh, how to defend yourself okay I wasn't necessarily able to de-escalate those situations back in the day because I was an idiot myself um, but now I feel like having had those experiences and having had, you know, further uh, and having participated in different disciplines as I got older, like jujitsu, is like there's just, there's no need to be you know striking people for for one. Um, but I mean, long story short, uh, learn to box, learn to use your hands because most of the time, if there is for whatever some reason, you know, someone's trying to uh someone puts their hands on you for whatever reason you're probably going to throw hands first right so you probably want to learn to do that then it usually ends up on the ground in which case then you need to be able to move well on the ground and you need to be able to control another human being on the ground in which case then uh you know wrestling jiu-jitsu uh you know getting someone onto the ground judo like they're all combat sports um that are embedded in the real world you know you see some of these other combat sports and it's like uh what is it aikido and krav maga and all this here um nonsense and it's like there's a reason why the uh you know john jones is not rocking into the octagon and using aikido or krav maga on people john jones will get in there he'll use muay thai He'll use kickboxing, he'll use wrestling, he'll use jiu-jitsu, judo. Um, he'll use all of the things in which there's there's live combat going on. Uh, and that's how he is the fucking baddest man on planet Earth. It's not because he's learning all of these uh, katas, I think the name is. I'm probably wrong on that one. But, um, you know, like I say, learn those martial arts because who knows someday like i say you might need to um uh, it could save your life or gives it could save someone else's life uh rule number three in life is prioritize people experiences and accomplishments so people cross over into um uh not just business but life as well but also experiences and accomplishments i quite often find that uh you know, it's quite sad to me, but people, 
it's almost like they die at 25 years of age. You know, they just kind of accept that life just is. They're living their life based off decisions they made when they were 18 years of age. You know, maybe they got into uh, some sort of corporate job. They work in their nine to five. They get three weeks holiday a year and they've kind of just accepted that this is going to be their life until they retire and they get their pension and they hope for happiness at that stage. And the question that I always ask is like, what, what if, you know, what if you get there and you're not happy? What if you're waiting on your pension to be happy and that moment never comes? And then you look back and because you didn't prioritize uh, experiences and accomplishments, then you regret, you live your life regretting the decisions you made when you were 18 years of age. And even at that, I mean, uh, geez, if I was to live my life based on the decisions that I made when I was 18, I would probably be in prison <laughs> until I get out at 40. Uh, so, you know, it's like, I going back, I think people have to constantly uh, grow and evolve, which means that um, you uh, grow through your accomplishments, you grow through how you impact the world around you and the people around you. And you grow through your experiences and you must experience life. Like I say, so many people get to the age of 25 and then, you know, the degradation starts then. They, it's like they die at 25, albeit their body still continues on, but their fitness starts to deteriorate. Um, they start to uh, use any kind of, you know, it's, it's like, they can't accept life uh, as it, as as it is, and so they turn to uh, alcohol, drugs, uh, porn, gambling, nicotine, food. You know all of these things that um, sedate their reality because they can't accept it for what it is, and so that person they kind of die at that age. You know uh, they they want to. They want to bring it back to their teenage years where they were young, free and happy and everything else. And they can't accept that time marches on and it stops for no one. And so, yeah, like I say, they, they will uh, sedate and uh, just go through the, oh, they almost just get stuck on the hamster wheel of life. You know, some people snap out of it. Some people, um, it was called the midlife crisis. Some people get there and they're like, oh, why have I been doing this for so long? And then they come to a start realization that they've been living their life based on the expectations of other people. And, and then they're like, oh, okay, now I'm going to change. Right. Whereas listen, you know, just uh, prioritize people, experiences and accomplishments always. And that means that you will be constantly open to new things, to new people, new accomplishments, new experiences. And so you'll always grow. And then finally, rule number four uh, in, the, in life is there are no rules. One of the, one of the, I think one of the saddest things in life is uh, living it based on the expectations of other people or waiting for permission to do the things that you want to do, right? Albeit there is 
there's rules around um there's rules in the game around legality right so you do some uh unethical shit you will likely end up in prison right but there are no rules right this is the thing it's like i heard uh uh kanye west right he said um that his mother used to say there is no right or wrong it just is right and it's like if you are living by uh, a set of rules right it's like if you're always trying to come up with the right answer to what other people are expecting if you're always trying to live your life based on um you know it's it's almost like a test right so you're rather than living the life that you want to live you're living the life um that other people expect you to live and therefore it's like a test to you all the time and you have to think about when is the times when you're most anxious in your life is like when you're tested okay and so this is why so many people are constantly anxious about the way they're living their life is because it's a constant test to try to impress the next person or to try to live their life based on uh, the way other people think they should and so if you think about um there are no rules in this game that we are playing in which case then it gives you the freedom to just do it the way you want to do it and if other people cannot accept the way that you're living your life like that's on them because the only thing that you can control is your your own actions and as long as you're not hurting people and as long as you're not doing unethical shit because the rules of the game are don't hurt people don't do unethical shit because that will leave you in a bad place but as long as you're doing the things that you want to do and that it's within the rules of the game as in you know don't do don't don't do on ethical shit don't hurt other people right as long as you are progressing forward trying to accomplish more uh trying to have an impact on more people and trying to enhance your experiences well then there are no rules to say that you cannot do what you want to do on that front so that is all i got on this first episode <clears throat> hope you enjoyed that that was the 12 rules for fitness business and life and who knows i'll probably come back to this with a whole different set of rules uh in a few episodes time but i just thought these were some great talking points to open up podcast if you got some value from this i would be truly grateful if you could share it with another friend who you think um could also get value from it uh please share it on your socials tag me in it um because yeah i really want to uh i'm committed to doing this thing and growing this thing so that i can get this information into uh more uh, into more heads and hopefully help and influence more people to um uh, get fitter um you know take control of their businesses take control of their life and so yeah truly grateful thank you for uh tuning into episode one of the fitness business life podcast and i shall see you on the next one bye